The Spectator magazine combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, plus a £20 Amazon gift voucher, absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American power, politics and society. On each episode, I will talk to an American expert or an expert on America about something that's going on in America in 2023. I am delighted to be joined uh, today by Roger Kimball, who is editor of The New Criterion, publisher of Encounter Books, and a columnist for The Spectator, among other publications. And we're going to be asking what happened exactly on January 6th. Roger, to give a little bit of an introduction, uh, this week, the Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, started to air bits of footage from the up to 40,000 hours of video he and his team have been given by the new Republican House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy. And I think it's fair to say that they show a rather different... They show what happened on January 6th, 2021, the famous uh, storming of the Capitol, or as Democrats like to call it, deadly insurrection. They show it in a rather different light, or, or the bits he's shown so far. He hasn't actually shown that much footage so far, but... But the bits that he's shown suggest that it's not exactly what we've been led to believe it was from the Congressional Select Committee hearing into the January 6th attack and by a lot of the media. What do you make of what you've seen so far? Well, Freddie, I think to put it into context, one has to remember the absolute hysteria that greeted that protest at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. Tucker Carlson himself actually used a phrase that I think was appropriate. He described it as a protest that got out of hand. This was back around the time that it actually happened. But of course, it was instantly baptized as an insurrection. About a year ago or a year and a half ago, I gave a talk called the January 6th Insurrection Hoax, which elicited a fair amount of comment, some positive. The negative comment was vituperative and vicious. But I think that what Tucker Carlson has done in his latest public service in showing some of these videos is actually to underscore the truth that what happened on January 6th really was just a protest. Now, it was a protest that Tucker himself condemned. He said it was indefensible that they attacked and injured some 114 policemen, apparently. He, you said in your opening statement that he showed us bits of what happened on that day that we hadn't seen before. Well, he showed two things. He showed some of the footage that the January 6th committee showed, people rioting, you know, storming the Capitol, to use your word. Uh, but he also showed some bits that we were not allowed to see before. 
He showed, for example, Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman, the chap with the Viking helmet and the body paint, mm. being escorted calmly, politely, by Capitol policemen, up to nine of them, through the Senate chambers. They, they opened doors for him. He went into the Senate chamber. He said a prayer out loud, thanking God for the police. Very calm, very, no, he was made to be the face of this protest because of his outlandish getup. And he is currently languishing in jail, uh, beginning a a four-year sentence for obstructing an official proceeding and uh, and other, other things. But he was not violent, but he is one of hundreds of people who ha- are languishing away in what we might call the Washington Gulag in pre-trial detention, mm. month after month, and now it's year after year. This is the kind of thing that totalitarian governments do. They throw you in jail and they just keep you there without bail, no bail. He was considered too dangerous to let out. Uh, so the, the regime in this country has destroyed this guy's life, along with many other people. Some of them were violent, and they deserve to be in jail. The vast majority were not. And that is the truth that Liz Cheney and the rest of the January 6th committee do not want us to understand. Why? Because this entire orchestrated kangaroo court was really not about what happened that day at the Capitol. It was about making sure that Donald Trump will never, ever get close to the Oval Office again. That was their goal. Whether they will be successful or not, we will see. But that was what this was all about. When you use words like totalitarian and you say regime, people will accuse you of uh, indulging in, engaging in conspiracy theory. How would mm. you? How do you respond to that? Well, a conspiracy theory, I guess, is a conspiracy which turns out not to be true. Was Calpurnia correct when she warned her husband Julius Caesar that there were people who were after his blood? a few days before the Ides of March in 44 BC. There are plenty of conspiracies that just are conspiracies. So obviously there are, there are differences between the United States at the moment and other totalitarian regimes we can think of. But let's, let's face it, we have a, a, weaponized, uh, a weaponized government. We have an FBI that is kind of out of control that, that uh, engage in dawn raids on political opponents of, if you don't like the word regime, the administration. That's a, that's a more emollient term than regime, perhaps. Mm. But why was Roger Stone subject to a pre-dawn raid? Why was John Eastman, one of Trump's lawyers, why was his phone publicly extracted from him? You know, the, the list of people who have been the objects of the sharp end of uh, the coercive power of the state and, in this country uh, is growing and growing and growing, as is the list of people 
whose uh, communications have been surveyed, the, the so-called Twitter files that were an, sort of an ongoing entertainment now in mm. this country, re- reveals things like uh, th- that, that t- Twitter, Google, Facebook, all the rest of the social media employ dozens of people from the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the DHS. Why? Why do they do that? Well, we know why, because they want to survey our communications. And in many cases, we have now seen that they submit lists and they say, take Freddie Gray off, cancel his account, make sure that he is shadow banned. He said things we don't like. So yeah. we, have to, we have to prevent his voice from being heard. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's p- perhaps slightly hyperbolic to describe these actions as totalitarian, but only slightly, I think. Mm. And when you say the word hope, when you say that your speech was entitled the January 6th hoax, you're not saying, yes. to be clear, you're not saying that uh, you agree with Tucker Carlson that it was a, it was a protest that got out of hand and, and people behaved yes. badly. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I, I, do, I do agree with that. And if, in a matter of full disclosure, that title was suggested to me by the institution that asked me to give the talk, yes. uh, which I agreed to with, with alacrity. I think it was actually worse than a hoax be, because I believe that one of, the un, one of the unresolved questions about what happened on that day was how many federal actors were in the crowd and what role did they have in organizing it in, uh, and in instigating the people to actually go into the Capitol that day. Uh, everybody, has, at least in this, in this country, has heard about this chap, Ray Epps, guy the MAGA hat on, who the day before January 6th was out there saying, we have to go into the Capitol tomorrow, into the Capitol. Now for a brief moment, he was on the FBI's most wanted list, then he disappeared. Mm. Eventually, he was interviewed by the January 6th committee, but nobody ever heard from him again. He boasted to his nephew that, that he was the person who organized the, the protesters going into the Capitol, and yet nothing has happened to him. Uh, we don't really quite know what his role was. The, the studied incuriosity about the role of people like Ray Epps is an absolute scandal, I think. As is, by the way, just remember, uh, the president of the United States compared what happened that day. He said it was the worst thing since the Civil War. Mm. Other people said it was as bad as 9-11. Yes. Uh, it, was, it was as bad as Pearl Harbor. You know, you were talking about conspiracy theories and, and hyperbole. The, the, the recasting of, of what happened that day by the administration has been totally irresponsible. Why was it that when Code Pink, you know, this, this uh, leftist activist group, they routinely would go into the Capitol, disrupt hearings and so on. They were, never, they, they were arrested, then let go. Mm. Nothing ever happened to them. Why are all these people, hundreds of people are languishing in jail uh, for years, for about two years now, you know, no bail and no trial. It's, it's, I think it's uh, really uh, outrageous. And the, the lies to use Tucker's, uh, Tucker's term, that have been emitted about this are just extraordinary. Five policemen, they say, were, uh, died that day. Well, no, they didn't. Yes, and Brian Sicknick, Brian Sicknick was one of the, one of the police officers who, who did die a, a day or two later from a stroke. 
He was not bludgeoned by mad Trump supporters, as the New York Times, as many journalists, they picked it up and they reported this as if it were true. And then they just, when it was proved not to be true, they just forgot about it. Yes. The other four policemen committed suicide days, weeks, months after January 6th. It had nothing to do with that, with that day at all. So that's just... That's just a lie. The president has said that. The president's press secretary has said that. Chuck Schumer has said it, and on and on and on. I think the attorney general said it, didn't he, not this week? American and the attorney general. Yeah. And the attorney general. What do we know about those four suicides? Because, I mean, it is quite striking that four people involved, four police officers from, Cap- from the Capitol who were involved in that protest did commit suicide later. Do we know anything about that? Do we have any evidence as to why they might have done it? Uh, well, we may, but I don't. Yeah. I don't know what happened to them. But uh, I know that it was over the course of, you know, a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Because there's a lot of uh, extremely deep conspiracy theorizing, and I don't necessarily mean that term pejoratively, about what happened. You obviously do have, we, 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 I think it's established now, there were federal agents, there were agents among the crowd I think it seems like a bit of a stretch from my understanding to suggest that they were purely responsible for things getting out of hand. But also people look at that footage of the QAnon shaman being led around by police officers and wonder why police officers did that. I mean, I suppose one might imagine that they were just being kindly. They were just saying, here yes. you go, here's a tour of well, the, the capital. Well, official, the official explanation for that is that they were de-escalating the the situation. Mm. You know, there were many more people in the Capitol. Well, actually, he he went in by himself. He didn't storm the Capitol. He went in. You know, he was one of the first people in. Uh, he was led around. But the, they didn't need to de-escalate anything at that point because it were just a few people there. That then more and more people came. And you know, again, I, as Tucker said, you know, several times, the the the, the destruction of property, attacking the police indefensible, terrible, should not have happened. And yet, compare what happened, as Tucker showed some of this other footage, compare what happened uh, that day with what happened in uh, the summer of 2020 when thousands of Antifa protesters stormed the White House, the White House. And the the left-wing mayor of Washington, D.C., told her policemen to stand down, to stand, not to do anything. They were hurling uh, fireworks and starting fires. They lit fire to a historic church off Lafayette Park. Mm. What happened to them? Well, what, what we know what happened to the, to the Black Lives Matter protesters in New York, mm. if, they, if they were not conv- you know, convicted of actually attacking a policeman, they've just been given $21,000 for their efforts. Yeah. By the by, the city. Why? Why should we? This is another. You know, just to kind of return to this this uh, theme. W- one of the hallmarks of a totalitarian regime is that they have a, a two tier system of justice, where certain people are accorded uh, certain privileges, and other people are treated in a very different way. That more and more seems to me to be an attribute of our justice system or our injustice system. We have a two-tier system of justice in operation now. If you're a Black Lives Matter activist, protester, rioter, you get treated one way. 
if you are a Trump supporter, you get treated a very different way. Why mm. is that? I, I take your point about the comparison with other protests, and, and I agree that there's ridiculous hyperbole around January 6th, but I would put it to you that there is a bit of a point about the timing of, of, of that protest and the way it got out of hand there. And insurrection's probably too strong a word, but certainly the fact that the election was due to be certified, was being certified there yes. in in the Senate, this protest yes. did enter the Senate, the people inside the Senate, politicians inside the Senate felt threatened, perhaps hysterically, but mm. probably not. I mean, it did. there were nasty scenes, we all agree on that. It was the timing was what would happen if you if there were to be an attempted insurrection. That's what might have happened. Right. Do you, do you take yeah. that point? Well, you know, the, the, the irony is, that, uh, you know, they brought no guns. They uh, Donald Trump said, oh, you know, you should go to the Capitol, make your voices heard peacefully and patriotically, he said. And then when they were in the Senate and he understood, or they in the Capitol, and he understood that they were, you know, destroying property and so on. He issued a tweet right before his Twitter account was uh, taken down saying, it's time to go home. Don't do all the stuff. And by the way, a little bit of the of that chap, uh, uh, Jacob Chansley, the, the QAnon shaman, uh, which is, is not often aired. It was not aired by Tucker, but it's around now. When, when that tweet was issued, he got up there with his little bullhorn and said, we've just got a tweet from the president who says, we have to go home now. You know, don't confront the police. You know, why did the January 6th committee not, not show that? And, and just, just what, one other uh, item that people really should understand here. The 14th Amendment of the Constitution provides people with due process. Part of that due process requires that prosecutors reveal potentially exculpatory evidence to the defense. The January 6th committee had this exculpatory or potentially exculpatory material in the form of these, these videos that showed Jacob Chansley and other people just walking around the Capitol. They did not share those with Chansley's uh, lawyers. Uh, that is arguably a violation of his civil rights. What will become of that? We don't know. Actually, uh, Tucker Carlson had one of his lawyers on last night who said that they yes. requ they'd requested that. Uh, yes. They had requested yes. the footage yes. and not been given it, which does seem yes. like a, a mistrial of justice. Um, right. And, uh, yes. you know... Possibly even uh, worthy of a conspiracy theorist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's talk about what we understand happened. I know because it's a very complicated situation. There's, there was a lot going on that day. There was different things happening in different parts of the building. But there, there appears to have been large numbers of people who entered the building peacefully. Yes. Relatively unobstructed. And then there were other yes. parts where... In fact, welcome. Not only unobstructed, yes. welcomed in. Yes. But, but there were other parts where they were climbing up walls. They were smashing windows. Yep. Uh, there yes. was um, the, 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 the killing of Ashley Babbitt, who smashed through a window and then was getting quite close. Uh, to no, the... Not quite. She, she, she didn't. Sorry, she didn't. You're right. You're right. No, she excuse was me. attempting yep. to climb through the window. She didn't smash and the window. She was, she yep. was unarmed, shot in cold blood by someone whose name we only discovered later. What happened to him? Nothing. Yes. But I've heard people who support the Trump movement on January 6th calling it a murder. I mean, I think that is hyperbole. Would you agree with that? The, the killing well, of Ashley Babbitt? Um, 
It's, you know, I guess legally a murder is what the court determines as murder. Mm. I, I, from what I have seen of that episode, I don't see why Michael Byrd was, what motivated him to shoot this person who was unarmed, who was not threatening anyone, who was simply attempting to climb. Actually, what she's trying to do, I'm told, in climbing through the window, she's trying to calm down some other people who were smashing stuff up. Mm. But he shot her. He shot her. I mean, that's, that was the only gunshot that day. Mm. The protesters didn't have guns. Yes. Uh, but Michael Byrd, you know, shot her uh, and killed her. Was I... it murder? Well, you know, as I, as I say, that's a, that's a kind of a legal designation. He shot her. She died. And he was a member of the of Capitol Hill security forces. He wasn't a. He was. He was a Capitol Hill policeman. Yes, right. Yeah. He had earlier left his loaded gun on the sink of a washroom. By the way, he's he you know for which he he was not reprimanded in any way. He he's he led a kind of charmed existence, Michael Byrd. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing now, but um, but he certainly was not. He paid no penalty for killing this young woman. Mm. Um, Chuck Schumer has demanded that Fox News, who's the Senate majority yes. leader, he, uh, for the Democrats, he has demanded that Rupert Murdoch and Fox News stop Tucker Carlson from airing this footage. Right. That right. struck me as a pretty major thing for a for a Senate majority leader yes. to do, to, to demand yes. that a major television yes. network stops airing. I mean, do you think that might happen? Do you think Fox News might? I mean, it's probably too late now because the... the, the well, a lot of the footage uh, has already been yes, shown. That, I mean, possibility is cheap, Freddie. It might. Uh, yeah. I don't expect it to. If it does happen, then uh, we can. T- we, we will have taken a, a major step closer to the totalitarian situation we were talking about earlier. Mm. Uh, I mean, to have a democratic government bow to that kind of, of pressure would be uh, amazing. That that they that they or, 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 I mean to have a you know a media entity bow to that kind of pressure would would be really quite amazing. What I mean, what Tucker said was all of these people were they're they're weak men, and like many weak men, they they get hysterical when when challenged. Mm. Uh, what did Tucker Carlson do? He said, "Well, you know, you you have an incomplete picture of what happened on January 6th. I'm going to show you some other stuff that will help you understand this complicated thing more fully." So here it is. You can make up your own mind. Why, why would Chuck Schumer and many other politicians, by the way, why would the entire left-wing media establishment go nuts over this? What, what, I mean, I can understand why other media outlets would be jealous of Tucker Carlson because Fox News got it and they didn't. Mm. But uh, I, anyone, I think, who watches that says, okay, here's, here's some other things that we haven't seen before that actually give us a fuller picture of what happened on that day. What's wrong with that? Well, it's, it's interesting that Kevin McCarthy uh, handed over the footage because he's someone who Tucker Carlson has criticized in the past. A lot of Trump people were not comfortable with as, as Speaker of the House. And Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, has criticized Carlson as well. Yes. So there, there's a division within yes. the Republican Party on it too. Yes. Well, as Elon Musk said, quoting Mitch McConnell's outburst, he said, what party is he in? Yeah. Democrat or Republican? You know, uh, I mean, Mitch, uh, you know, it's, this is not really the, the difference here is not and he was not he was not alone. Of course, 
the Grecian formula senator, Mitt Romney, was criticizing uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, as were several other senators, Republican senators. It's not a, it's not a Democrat-Republican division. Mm. It's conservative Inc. It's what I was earlier calling the regime, because all of these people have their lips sewn firmly to the public teeth. And what Tucker Carlson was doing was introducing a major dissonant note into the dominant narrative. And they just can't abide that, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. And I think it's, it's sunlight. It's transparency. It's giving people a fuller understanding of what happened that day. Hmm. Now, I don't know anyone who defends what happened that day. I, I, I certainly don't. But it's certainly not, it was not an insurrection, in my opinion. And it, it also was basically a, a bit of political theater that, if not entirely organized and prosecuted by members of the regime, was certainly abetted by it. We know there were a lot of feds in the, in the crowd. And if you actually, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you look at all of the, the material about Ray Epps, I mean, he was there the night before, you know, ginning up anger. And, he, he, you know, we have to go into the Capitol, he said. Mm. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's Darren Beatty, a, a journalist here, uh, has assembled a lot of interesting footage about, about this chap and others. Yes, uh, it's worth worth worth. I, uh, I've seen Darren Beatty you know, stuff on on Revolver News. If any listeners want to go and have mm. a look at it, it it is yes. it is quite compelling. I suppose my scepticism would be that I I think certainly the FBI seems to have put a lot of people in their sort of attempts to combat far right extremism, as they dub it. Uh, they have put yes. a lot of people in uh, Trump supporting groups. Yes. And I mean, do you think these people maybe just went rogue rather than being a part of some very, very difficult to pull off? I mean, it would be technically very difficult thing to persuade a large number of people. I'm, I, can, I can see Ray Epps was trying, but it would I mean, it, it seems like an extraordinary thing to attempt to try and organize a, a protest that went like that. Well, I, you know, I think that like many episodes of this of this nature, it's uh, the the causes are multiple. You mm. know, it obviously it wasn't just Ray Epps. Mm. It was, you know, there was thousands of people walked down to the Capitol from the rally, from the Stop the Steal rally that Trump held earlier that day. They were riled up. No doubt about that. Um, yes. Did Trump incite them to riot? I, I don't think so. But he certainly wanted them to go and make their voices heard, which is something different. Mm. Uh, there were some bad actors there. A few, the the overwhelming majority were peaceful, but I don't think we really have an, an answer yet to what people like Ray Epps and he was not the only one, obviously, uh, w- what their role was. We don't know the answer to that, or at least I, I don't. Mm. Um, so I think it's it's like many such episodes. It has you know many fathers. Yes. I take your point about Trump and incitement, but certainly there was a lot of anger. And do you think, whether or not you think the 2020 election was stolen or fraudulent or suspicious, do you think that Donald Trump should have said, I lost, rather than saying it's been stolen, even Mm -hmm. if he believed it was stolen, the right thing to do for the country? Nixon, Mm -hmm. for instance, 
felt yes. that yes. Uh, he'd been yes. cheated and he accepted uh, defeat. Right. Do you think it would have been right for Trump to accept defeat earlier? Um, well, I certainly think that he should get over it. I do believe that that election was deeply flawed. I don't believe that Joe Biden got 80 million votes. And I think there are a lot of very suspicious things about the election, whether as a matter of public spiritedness and, and the, at the end of the day, indeed, political calculation, Donald Trump ought to have acted in a different way. Yes, I think he, he ought to have done. But he, you know, he's not a, he's not a saint. He's not perfect. He's, he's, like many politicians, is vain and egotistical. And so he, he didn't. But should he have done? Probably so, but he didn't. So now we have to get over that and, and, and also move on. Mm. I think, you know, we should do what we can to secure the elections. But, you know, we don't, in this country, we used to have um, a day in which people would vote, but we don't have that anymore. We now have election season. And that is an invitation to fraud and abuse. And I think Donald Trump understands that. And if he is the candidate, I think that he will be very aggressively pursuing all of the election techniques that the Democrats have perfected over the last couple of cycles with the with the goal eventually of outlawing them. I mean, I think we should have one day where people go and vote. They have to vote in person unless there's extraordinary circumstances that prevent them. And they should be counted quickly and uh, ballot harvesting and all that sort of stuff should be outlawed. Mm. But it's not now. And if uh, the Republicans don't uh, engage in the same sort of uh, shadowy uh, activity, they will never win another election. Mm. Donald Trump gave this speech at CPAC in which he didn't dwell on the stolen election stuff as much as he normally does, but you know, he, mm-hmm. he, he, it was certainly part of the mix of the speech. Yeah. Do you think, as this footage has emerged and as the Democrats do squeal quite hysterically about it, Yes. It only helps Trump and it vindicates this idea that something very odd happened. You know, if no one quite knows what, there's no really great evidence to suggest that the election was stolen on a a, a massive level, on a a sort of smoking gun damning level. Do you think there's a there's a feeling in America now that Trump may be maybe proved right eventually? Well, uh, in certain neighborhoods of America. Yeah. Not where I live, but, but I live in a in deep blue Connecticut, you know, not in Connecticut or New York or Illinois or California, but many other places. Yes, I think so. I, I thought that the Trump CPAC speech was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Many, many, many people responded positively to his calls for retribution. Yeah, that was uh, one of the themes. But leave, leave all of that to one side. Leave leave his promises to dismantle the deep state. To one side. I mean, I think it, I, I'm in favor of that. I hope he's figured out a way to do that. But what struck me even more, perhaps, about that speech was how many new ideas he had. He said, you know, we have all these problems in schools. We shouldn't have the school board or uh, educational experts appoint uh, principals. The parents should appoint them. Oh, no, we couldn't do that. That would be terrible. You know? But yes, we should do that. He said, you know, our cities are falling apart, many of them. Let's not try to reclaim them. Let's build new cities. What a great idea that is. I mean, it's just idea after idea mm. that he, he presented in that speech that were fresh 
that seem to be, you know, uh, as I, I mean, he's an, he's an older person. That's one of the things that gives me pause about him. But they were um, uh, young ideas. And I, I, th I think people really responded to that. Uh, those are the two themes of that speech. Uh, the, the, attack, the promise to attack the deep state uh, where he elected and all of these policy ideas that I'd never heard before. I think they're, you know, maybe some of them won't work, but some of them might. You know, we, people talk about the deep state and so on. What, what does that mean? The, that means that we are ruled by a sort of alphabet soup of government bureaucrats that are not elected, they're appointed, that cannot be removed usually from office, or at least only with great difficulty, and are essentially accountable to no one. Mm. They're, they're accountable to the bureaucracy. So it's profoundly anti-democratic. And you, you can sort of see how this has grown up in the United States ever since the progressive era with people like Woodrow Wilson and so on. When, when the franchise was expanded in the early part of the 20th century, people like Wilson uh, were very worried because they understood that this represented a direct threat to their power. What can we do about that? He understood, well, we have to kind of move the real sources of power outside of the electoral process into this, these administrative entities that are, are beyond the control of the electorate. And that's what they've done. That's the deep state. And at the end of the day, that poses the deepest threat to us. That, is, that, that deep state uh, leviathan is the, 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 the heart of the anti-Trump animus in this country. I mean, Trump is a very odd guy, you know, I mean, he's very peculiar, but he, he turned out to be very effective. I mean, much to my surprise, I probably wrote a score of articles making fun of him before he became president. But he, you know, listen, he, he appointed all those great judges. He secured our southern border. He made the country energy independent. The economy was booming. L the lowest unemployment in decades, the lowest minority unemployment ever. Wages rising at the lower end of the, uh, of the scale. He, he brought peace to the Middle East. That's a world historical achievement. Remember the Abraham Accords? It was uh, item after item after item. But he challenged the authority and the power and the perquisites of the deep state. Therefore, he had to go. Well, one thing that struck me listening to the CPAC speech is that Trump is, has become, and perhaps always has been really, a brilliant electoral campaigner in that not only is he suggesting lots of new ideas um, and ideas that generate conversation and even controversy, but he he hits opponents where they hurt. So he's already hitting Ron DeSantis, his probable rival, yeah. over Social Security and Medicare, which DeSantis has voted against in the past. And he has mm -hmm. a, a very a sort of simple, boiled-down political style, but it always he always hits uh, opponents at their weakest points. Do you, do you think perhaps the sort of political experts have forgotten quite how good he is at campaigning? Uh, I think they definitely have, as in, in many ways had I. I. I was sort of thinking he was, um, you know, fading mm. that speech at CPAC, followed by the, the Tucker Carlson videos. I mean, he's riding very high now. All the polls I'm seeing has him way ahead. Now, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis is a very serious guy. He's a great governor probably be a great president someday. Mm. Uh, I, I, you know, a, a week, as your, your prime minister, Harold Wilson said, is a long time in politics. Things could change a lot. I mean, I think at this stage in the 2016 electoral cycle, Scott Walker was 
was was leading. I mean, mm. who, you know, he's totally forgotten now, right? Then it was Ted Cruz. So we don't know what's going to happen. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I think come June we will. But, but right now it's a little too early to say. Well, on that note, Roger, we will end it there. But thank you very much for joining Americano. Uh, please do come on again. Okay. Thank you, Shreddy. Good to, good to chat. Thank you very much for listening to the Americano podcast. I would like to thank my brilliant producer, Natasha Faroz, and the rest of the Spectator's broadcast team. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on. Thank you very much. God bless America.